is Lynn Wilson. Welcome back to Hope for Today. Grab your cup of coffee, go grab a seat, let's sit down, we're gonna chat, we're gonna relax, we're gonna have a great time today. I hope you've enjoyed these podcasts. I hope that God is inspiring you to do something with your life above and beyond what you ever thought or imagined that you could do. So I have a question for you. What did you do? Or what did you do? You know, I have a puppy at home, his name is Kip. And if I say to Kip, what did you do? Oh, his tail goes between his legs and the ears flop down and he kind of, you know, bends over and he might not even know what he did or if he did something wrong, you know, and then we find, you know, a little puddle on the floor or something and what did you do? And he just looks at me horrified. But then if I say to him, what did you do? Then tail's wagging and the ears perk up and he thinks he's going to get a treat. So my question to you is, what did you do? Now let me tell you a little story. It was several years ago, many years ago, and uh, my husband and I were just for many years broke. You know how that might be, and have no money, and we couldn't afford to buy each other Christmas presents. Our oldest son was just a little guy at the time, and unless we found something, as we like to say, gifts on the side of the road, that God leaves, um, you know, someone's throwing something out, we found a rocking horse and we brought it home and repainted it and just different things like that. But if we didn't find things or um, fix them up, we didn't have any presents for our son or for ourselves. And that was okay, we were fine with it, but we just couldn't afford to buy anybody gifts. And we just didn't wanna, you know, feel embarrassed to repurpose something that you know you got in the garbage for a family member other than your own. Well, a few years after that, we, uh, you know, got things paid off and got a better job and got a little money in our pocket. Not a whole lot, but just enough. And that Christmas, oh, I was so excited. I actually was able to go to a store, go to the mall, and I felt proud and got money in my pocket, and I'm going to buy real gifts. Now, if you've never been in that situation, you might not even understand the reality of what it's like to be embarrassed not to have anything. And still be on the receiving end, but you have nothing to give back. Knowing that you can't even afford it, it's not like you just forgot. And then when you have the money, you get all excited. I went in the stores and I I thought of each person and just the right gift for that person. And I had one particular person in mind and I, I still can remember the store I went to and the department I went to and I remember looking at several items and I said, that's the one. I was so excited. I can't even tell you, I carried that bag. I paid for that, I paid cash with that, I bought that with real money. Went home, wrapped it up real pretty. So Christmas came, and I can't even tell you how excited I was. I went there, that anticipation, you know when you wanna give somebody a gift and you just wanna blurt it out, you know what I got you? And so I waited, the gift was under the tree, and we sat around, and this person's looking at the gift, and uh, I pass it to them, I said, this is for you. I was so excited. And they had known our history, so for us to give them a gift, they had to have known that, you know, it cost us. And so I waited. She took the paper out of the bag, and you hear that crinkle, and you're just (gasps) with excitement. And she took the item out of the bag, and she looked at it, and in my whole being, I was like ready for her to say, Lynn, you're wonderful, or Lynn, thank you, and I'm so excited. I can't wait to use this. And she held it up and she looked at it. 
And she put it down and she said, it's not my style. I think I'll just donate it. I stood in shock. I spent time. I went to the mall just for this person. I took my money that I had to work for just for this person. I spent money on this person. I put thought into what I was getting for this person. I was excited to give her something, to bless her, to, to do something for this person that I cared about. And in turn, they took this gift and they looked at it and tossed it aside. And in a sense, they rejected it and then told me it wasn't good enough and they were gonna donate it. I was crushed. I was absolutely crushed. Can you imagine how you'd feel? Maybe you've had that happen to you. That's not a good feeling. I'm sure if there were, you know, if you could have had a microphone near the people sitting around in the room that spotted that the situation happened, I could just hear in their mind saying, what did you do? What did you just do? I want to take a minute and I want to look at just a short passage in the Bible in Luke chapter 17. We're just going to look at verses 11 through 17. It says, on the way to Jerusalem, he, meaning the Lord, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And he entered the village. And there were 10 lepers who stood at a distance. Notice that word, stood at a distance. And they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They were crying out to him. They were praying, Lord, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleaned. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back. He turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at the feet of Jesus, giving him thanks. Then Jesus answered, were not ten of you cleaned? Where's the other nine? I could almost see the one man looking and thinking, what are you doing? How could you, what, what are you doing? What are you, you're not coming with me? You know, just let's look at this passage for a moment. So there's 10 men, they have leprosy. Um, we don't really, some of you might not even know what leprosy is. I remember in Sunday school learning about leprosy. And I thought the, the phrase or the, the word, the term, leprosy, I just found that intriguing. I, I like the sounds of certain words. And I remember the flannel graphs in Sunday school and, and my teacher telling me that these people, like they lost their fingers, they lost limbs. Um, if it got into their eye, they would lose their sight. If it got into their ear, they'd lose their hearing. It would be, I guess the best way to describe it is similar to a flesh-eating disease. But it just, they didn't have any medicine, and it would eat them all up, and they would lose parts of their body. Uh, these 10 men, you know, I don't know if they were lost a leg, an arm, they, could they hear, could they see, you know, it doesn't go into the full detail. But they had leprosy. And this was the, um, back in the Bible times, this would be something that, you know, they would have to stand, like we do now, six feet apart, and they'd stand back, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, and they would yell this out so people wouldn't come near them. I'm unclean, and that people avoided them. And once you had leprosy, you were thrown out of your village, you were thrown out of your city. You, you would be on the city gates, 
You would lose your family, you've lost your job, you've lost your home, you've lost your health. Maybe your sight, your limbs, your fingers, your extremities, you've, you've lost your, your means of getting food, you've lost your means of getting water. Um, you're destitute. You have, it's beyond homeless because there is nobody, you know, you're there with a begging bowl hoping, but yet you're yelling, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. People would run the other way. Would you walk toward them if you knowing that they were unclean? Would you walk there and throw them a piece of bread or some coins? So this is the state that they're in. They're a mess. I mean, they're, they're there to die. That's the end of it. You're going to die. You have leprosy. You're being eaten alive. You're losing all parts of your body. And they see the Lord. They must have known who he was because they cried out to him. Have mercy on us. They had to have known this was the Lord. Lord, have mercy on us. Heal us. Please heal us. Now, the Lord could have chosen not to heal them for a purpose that would go beyond maybe our understanding. The Lord could have said, if you do this, this, and this, then, only then, will I heal you. Um, he's the Lord. He can do what he chooses to do for his purpose. He didn't ask anything of them. They asked him, Lord, save me. And the Lord granted that and said, on, go see the priest and on your way. Uh, as they went on their way, they were healed. So it wasn't when they got to the priest. It was on the way to seeing the priest. They were healed. So the Lord performed a miracle in their life, a miracle beyond what they could have imagined. Think, okay, you're dying. You're at the city gates. You have no hope, absolutely no hope at all. And the Lord saves you. He's healed you. He's, I'm assuming, because the one man that ran back must have been in perfect health to be able to run back and to fall at the feet of Jesus. That um, this is gone, and their extremities and their fingers are probably returned and restored back to health. They can now go back to their families. They can get a job. They can eat food. They can go back to their village. They can get a house, and they can do all the things that they once had a life in doing. They can now do this once again. They were completely healed. Think of that. Wait, what would you do? Would you be like so excited? Well, obviously, nine of them didn't think much of it. They had enough in them to cry out to the Lord, but then they left and they kept going. And one person came back and he knew with gratitude what was done for him. And he threw himself at the feet of Jesus, humbled himself. Lord, thank you and praise the Lord. And the Lord said to him, now, the Lord is all knowing. God will question us on things. He already has the answer, but he wants to, you know, have this conversation here. And he questioned him, Were, weren't there 10 of you? How would you feel if, you know, there's 10 of us right now, and this wonderful gift was given to all 10 of us, and nine of us take off, and the person's still there who blessed us with this gift, and I left with the other nine, and you're standing there, and the person says, well, and then you thank this person profusely, and, and you tell them how much you appreciate, and so on and so forth. And I could just see this other person saying, um, where'd they go? Where are they going? What happened? Were you not thankful? Were they not pleased with what I did? How in the world? I mean, first of all, if I gave you a gift, that's one thing. But when the Lord blesses you, Again, they knew who he was, and they left. 
You know, I, I, I had to think that every story in the Bible, now first of all, when the Lord was on the earth, and prior to the Lord being on the earth, there were many, many things that happened. Life took place on the earth. People had families, they worked, they built, they did, they whatever. Life happened. God chose certain stories to appear in his word. There are things in the Bible that God wants us to know. Those things are going to help us grow as a Christian. They're going to grow our faith. They're going to grow us closer to him. They're going to help us to be able to realize who Christ is. And he is something and someone and has done things that we should be, he, we, his, our lips should be praising him 24 seven. The Lord has done so much for us on a daily basis. And all the stories that are in the Bible, I always look at like, what can I get out of that? A number of years ago, I don't even remember who the speaker was, but somebody was here at Keswick. And I popped in for one of the meetings and this is the story he was talking about, the 10 lepers. And you know, it doesn't matter who it was because we don't even need to give praise to the person. But you know how you've heard a message and you'll say, ah, oh, that was for me. I can't say that I was an ungrateful person, but I don't know that I always took the time to say thank you. And I just remembered him saying, only one came back. And it just stuck in, stuck in my mind that um, one, just one, 10 of them were healed. Maybe even if five came back or seven came back, but only one came back. I had to think, like, was it worth it? Is it worth just for one person? Would I have gone out of my way if God is all-knowing, knowing that nine are not going to even say thank you, even recognize who the Lord is, beyond asking him for something, they're not going to recognize and praise his name after the miracle is performed. Would, if I was the Lord, I don't think I would have, listen, if only one's coming back, I don't think it's worth it. I would have probably passed on that and just kept going. Is it really worth it for one? Yeah, it is. You know, the Bible talks about if the 99 go astray, he's going to look for the one. One life. One person, one, one heart, one soul. The Bible talks about that if one person accepts the Lord, the whole of eternity gets excited. That puts everything in perspective. The Lord went after the one, the one heart that he knew he could reach. Are you that one? You know, the Lord has given us so many things over a course of a lifetime. But the one thing I know that he's given all of us, you know, we all have something different. We all have a different bank account. We all have a different car. We all have a different um, situation in life. Some are married, some are widowed, some are single, never married, some are divorced. Some have kids, some have no kids. Some have a great job, some have a, you know, minimal paying job, whatever. We all have something different. God has blessed us in all different ways and for a different purpose. It's for his purpose, not for ours. But I can tell you this. There's one thing that levels the playing field. There's one thing that no matter what, 
I don't care how rich, how poor, how tall, how short, how fat, how skinny, how anything. You, you, you vote for this person or you voted for that or you like this sports group or you like that one. Doesn't matter. Bottom line is this. There's one thing he's given all of us and that's eternal life. God has guaranteed eternal life. Guaranteed. Full on guaranteed. And you know, when you think about the one, the Lord went to the cross. He died on the cross. God gave his only son. He only had one son. And he spared us going to the cross, which is what we would have deserved. And God allowed his son to go to the cross and to take our name to the cross. He took the name of Lynn Wilson to the cross. He took the name of, and I want you to, you're probably all by yourself right now. Yell at your name. Yell, wherever you are, yell at your name. He took and say your name to the cross. The Lord knew before he was going to be put on that cross and hung and beaten and embarrassed and humiliated and everything else that went with it. The Lord knew who would ultimately accept him because he's all-knowing. But even with that, he died for all. If there was only one person that accepted him as their personal savior, he still would have done the same thing because the Bible says he died for all. What have you done with that gift? What are you, what are you thinking about? What, when people mention about the Lord dying on the cross and talk about salvation, where are you going with that in your head? Have you received it and have you accepted it? Have you accepted him into your life? Have you admitted that you're a sinner and that you're dying and going to hell? And there's no way you could enter eternity unless you have the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Have you accepted that gift? Okay, maybe, maybe you did. Have you rejected it and said, hey, I I'm sorry, I'm not religious, not my thing, not my game. It's good for you, it's your crutch, you know, I'm not into this. Maybe you're sitting right there and, and laughing at me, saying, who is this woman? She's trying to convince me that I need to go to heaven. I'm a good person. I, 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 I do good things. You know what? It's between you and the Lord. I have no say whatsoever. My job is to share the gospel with you. That's what the Lord has told me to do. What you do with it, if you accept it or reject it, that's between you and the Lord. If you accepted it, whether it's today, it was last week, it was 50 years ago, did you ever say thank you? Did you ever come back knowing that this is a miracle? You're going to spend eternity with the Lord. You know, there's a song, I wish Joyce Hayes was here right now. Joyce and I love this song, and maybe one day she'll sing it, one of the live hymn sings, but it's by Mark Lowry, and it says, the God of all eternity wants to spend the rest of it with me. It says, I, figure it out, I just can't. Understanding, I never will. Because the God of all eternity wants to spend the rest of it with me. Not with us, with me. Lynn Wilson, think of that. Put your name in there again. He wants me in glory. Have I said thank you? Have I received this gift and it's unopened? I've never even opened it. I, I never took the gift out of the box, so to speak. I ask you again, what did you do? What did you do? So let's have a look at a few things today. 
we looked at a story about a gift that was given at Christmas of somebody that was so excited and, and did it for all the right reasons and, and the right, you know, everything that could be right about it, it was done in the right way. No selfishness was there, you know, and the person on the other end received this gift. They accepted that gift. Oh, thank you. Merry Christmas to you. And they opened the gift and they took the gift out. And they looked at it just like you might with salvation. And they put it down. Not my style. They rejected it. We looked at um, a story of one person. Out of nine, out of ten, one yes said yes and nine said no. We looked at a story of one person that not only unwrapped the gift and took the gift out of the bag, if you want to look at it that way, and accepted the gift and said thank you. And the other nine got the gift and took off. There's a saying that I've used over and over many times when I've spoken, and, and I just use it with myself, attitude versus gratitude. I can tell you right now, excuse me, uh, you owe me. You know, I did this and this and this for you, and, and um, when are you going to pay me back? That's not a gift. That's a paycheck. A gift is because, just because. You ever give someone a gift and say, I'm, just because? What? Oh, why are you giving me this? Just because. I do that for my kids all the time. We call it just because love gifts. They'll find something under their bed, or, you know, I'll leave a note, or, or whatever. Or, you know, I know there's a certain thing they like, and... My one son is already married, and um, I have a daughter-in-law who I just classify as my daughter. And I'll do gifts for them all the time with a note just because, and they know, it's because I love them. My youngest son still quite can't grasp that, why are you giving me this? Did I do something? Am I supposed to do something? No, it's just because. Attitude versus gratitude. How many times do we ask God for something like the nine that walked away? Are you one of the nine? How many times do we ask God for something and complain? You ask him, he gives it to you, and you turn around and complain. Like, hello, we just um, talked about last week the prompting of God. And where are you going? You know, these nine men went to the Lord with something. I have a need. The Lord provided the need, and they left. I can almost see God saying, where are you going? Where are you going? How many times do we not say thank you and appreciate what we already have? When you have the right attitude, there's always enough. When you have the right attitude of gratitude and thankfulness, there's always enough. Have we taken church for granted? I know I did. So where are we at right now with this? As my son would say, the mission is the same, but the method looks different. You know, we were in church for years. I took it for granted. The pew was always there. The chairs were always there. The preacher was always behind the pulpit. The worship team was there. Somebody always opened the door and hit the lights and cleaned the bathrooms. And there was always Sunday school for my kids. And um, there was always a greeter at the door. There was always something. I didn't have to think about it. I just show up and there, there it was. We took that for granted. All of a sudden, stop. Back March, something, 16th, I don't know, something like that, there was this thing called 
pandemic, it, in the entire world came to a halt. It was like if you unplugged all the power in your house, everything stopped, everything became still. Church stopped? Not really. I have heard people complain and complain and complain and complain to the point where I'm sick of hearing it, I'm sick of reading at it on Facebook. It's all they talk about. We can't go to church. We can't go to church. You know, I have to tell you, there are churches that this just thrills my heart, that maybe would have 200 walk in the door on Sunday. But because we can't meet in a building and sit in a chair and we have to watch it on Zoom or on Facebook or Box TV or YouTube, whatever, where, however you're watching church, that church of 200 that would only get maybe 200 on a Sunday is now getting over 2,000 because people are being reached and we're complaining? What are you complaining about? Do you realize? How many more people are being reached for the Lord? Think about it. On Sunday, you'd probably get up and you'd be having an argument with your husband and your kids and trying to shove food down their throat. Come on, we're late, let's go. We're late, let's go. Come on, get in the car. Drive to church on a sunny day when you wish you were at the beach or on a rainy day and you're complaining now there's rain or on a snowy day and you got to church and somebody's sitting in your pew and now you're annoyed because they're in my seat and that's where I always sit. And you know, today we're using the hymn book and I like the words on the screen or next week we're on the screen and I wanna use the hymn book and I don't like that greeter at the door and you complained when you were at church. Now you wake up on a Sunday morning, you don't even have to get out of bed. You tell Alexa to turn TV on and pick the channel you want. You could have a cup of coffee, be sitting in your pink fuzzy slippers in your pajamas watching church and getting a great message. You never had to leave your house. What's there to complain about? Yes, I miss the building, I miss the people, I miss the fellowship, I do too. But you know, it's for a season. It's just for a season. God has a purpose and a plan in this. And we could go into this with an attitude instead of an attitude of gratitude. We could come out of this with an attitude instead of an attitude of gratitude. It's how you look at it. What are you thankful for? God is performing miracles. People are being saved, lives are being transformed, and we have the right to complain that we have to sit on our couch, comfortable, doesn't matter what the weather is, with a cup of coffee for one hour, and listen to the same preacher we would have heard in church. I have the right to complain? I don't think so. Is your faith so small that you need a building, that you need a pew, that you need a chair, that you need a preacher, you know, six feet ahead of you? Is your faith so small, or is your faith so great that when you see this preacher on TV, you've committed that message, you've committed that service, you've committed that preacher to the Lord, that his words would go forth, not to the 200, but to the 2,000 or more, to the lives that are being transformed. When we all gather back together, and there will be a time when we do, when we gather back together, you can just know that God is at work, and we're gonna be able to see that. I would rather come out of this so excited so thankful that when I get back to church, I'm looking going, oh well, my seat was taken. That's okay, because there's new people in the church. I, I just don't understand how much we complain. We're like the nine. You know, God performs a miracle and we go the other way. I can't even imagine what those nine men were talking about. It doesn't go into it. I don't think so anywhere in the passage that I can remember 
that it says, well, as they left and they walked, did they look back at the Lord and like go, do you know what he just did? You know, we're healed. We, I got my fingers back and I can talk and I, I can hear and I can see. I can smell again. I, I could go visit my wife. Did they have a conversation about this? Did they just leave? Were they ungrateful? What did you do? What did you do? What did you do? Did you say thank you for every little thing that you have? Are you ungrateful for what you don't have? Again, attitude versus gratitude. Maybe you should take that grateful heart that you have and turn it into something. I find for myself, and I don't think I'm alone in this, but when the Lord has blessed me with anything, I want to turn around and I get so excited, I, I want to do it for somebody else. You ever get like that? Um, the other day, for weeks now, I, I'm sure you're the same way. Can't find san hand sanitizer. Can't find Lysol wipes. You can't find toilet paper. You can't find, you can't find. It, these are essentials. These are things that we use on a daily basis and need and for health purposes and so on. I only wanted one bottle of rubbing alcohol. Couldn't find it. And every store I'd go to, they're starting to stock up now. And I'd go to the store and I'd see the sign, you know, limit so many per person. <gasps> oh, we just sold out. That's what I kept hearing. I'd go to the next store, I'd see the sign. <gasps> we just sold out. Oh, week after week. So, you know, in the course of conversation, you mention what you're looking for. And I mentioned it to a friend and there was a knock at my door. And then there was a text. I left you two bottles of rubbing alcohol on your doorstep. And no, you're not paying me for it. My friend Sandra and I had this running thing going on. The one week I needed cans of tomatoes and uh, I get six left on my doorstep. I was so excited. I knew who it was from. But she had mentioned to me she couldn't find pasta and a few other things. So when I went to the store, I picked up the things that she needed and I left it on her doorstep. And we've been doing this through with this whole thing of COVID-19. Do you have a friend like that? That is true blue. You know, when they see a need, they meet it. No, I don't want anything for it. That's a gift. But I get excited and I want to do something for her to bless her. When is the last time you did that for someone? Be the one that turns back. Be the one that goes back to the Lord and say, thank you. You know, if you have rice and beans for breakfast, lunch, and dinner today, and that's what God has provided, are you thankful? Are you the one that's going to say at every meal, Lord, thank you before the meal? After you've had it, Lord, thank you for sustaining me and my family. When you drink water, Lord, thank you for that clean water. Are you thanking him for the things you have and, and really mean it? Or are you like, this is what you're giving me? This is it? I want, you know, I want a steak and potatoes and broccoli and, and I don't want water. I want a nice Diet Coke or whatever. Or you have this attitude, and this is what God's provided for you. Stop and think. You deserve nothing. Whatever he gives you, you should be thankful for. And I will tell you this, at least from me, the lessons I have learned, the less I have, the more I appreciate. I don't mean necessarily in stuff. You know, I know there's this new phrase of being a minimalist, and you don't want things, you want experiences. Well, experiences are really things because you can have, 
instead of a tangible thing that you can touch and say, well, you have all those things in your house. You don't need those things. Well, I know people that have the money to travel, and they travel all over the world. And they have all these experiences, and they have the same attitude as if they had things because they're not appreciative on the fact that they get to experience new places and new smells and new cultures and new foods and go on a plane, and they have the, they have the time to go away. They don't even enjoy that. So whether it's an experience or a thing, the less you have, if you only take one vacation a year, wherever it is, you get one week and you go, oh, are you ever so thankful? I waited all year for this week's vacation. It's great. But if you have 10 weeks vacation and every one you go on, you do a really fancy cruise or fancy trip, they become old after a while. And you kind of lose that joy and that fun of thankfulness and so think about that is it more better or is less better and that's for you to decide so what did you do what did you do with what god gave you here's what i don't want you to do all right if you're writing notes write this down don't do this don't reject a gift whether you like it or not, I tell my kids when they got a birthday gift, okay, so-and-so is coming. They tend to buy things that we don't really maybe like, necessarily use. It's not our taste, whatever. Maybe they don't have a lot of money and they do the best they can, you know, and maybe it's something from the dollar store that you know is going to break in a minute. I don't care. That person took the time, their time, their money, to go buy you something because they thought you were so special. Don't you dare show a frown. You show them that you are thankful that they thought enough of you to give you a gift. It doesn't matter the gift. It's the whole fact that it was given to you. So don't reject a gift. Don't be harsh in your words. I don't want that. No, it's not my style. Don't be harsh in your words. Don't ignore when a good deed is done for you. I had rubbing alcohol left. I've had bags of food. <laughs> My poor son. I have an autistic son, and if you have someone that has special needs, you'll get this more than most. But they become ritualistic in what they do. And every night, at about 11 o'clock, he must have two bags of ramen before he goes to bed. Every single night, for year after year after year. Well, ramen is something we could not find anywhere. I went to five, six, seven stores, and I said to him, we had two packages left in the pantry, and I said, Gavin, this is all we have. We only have two bags. I can't get it. But mom, what am I going to do? I said, well, we're going to pray about it. I, I don't know what else to tell you. We're going to pray about it. And he gives me a look like, really? You know, he's still growing in his faith. And I said, Gavin, I have no other resource but to pray. So I prayed about it. And it came to mind something that um, Bill Welty always tells us, you have not because you ask not, which is also in Scripture. And I thought, I'm going to put it on Facebook and just say, if anybody can find ramen, let me know what store. I'll go get it. Within 30 minutes of that Facebook post, there was a beep and a text. A beep in our driveway and then a text. I left you two boxes of ramen on your doorstep. They were boxes. Now, they're not expensive. They're, you know, $2, $2.50 for a box of ramen. But there were two left for me. So obviously it was a gift because they didn't stand there and say, well, here's the receipt or anything like that. But not only were there two boxes of ramen, there was a box of food, chicken and 
soda and all kinds of cookies and other fruit, and I don't even remember. There was a ton. This person saw a need, and God prompted them, and all they, it was 9, 9.30 at night, show up on my doorstep with ramen. So thank you, Danielle, for that. We've had bags and bags of food left for us by sometimes we don't know who. They just, we open the door and there's food. First of all, I need to be thanking the Lord that he's providing. But then people are being prompted by the Lord to bless us. Now, I can take that and say, these are my provisions. God has provided me with these provisions. I'm at a point now where we had those two boxes of ramen. Two days later, somebody called me and said, are you in the Toms River area, which is a town not far from us, and we happen to be? I have three boxes of ramen for you. I get another message. Are you going to be out and about today? I've left a bag of ramen on my doorstep for you. Somebody else messaged me. I have 30 bags of ramen for you. I am still, that had to be, I don't know, a month ago, six weeks ago, I'm guessing, that I put this out there. Now, you need to remember, when you pray, don't think that the Lord will give you one bag of ramen. He will bless you to the point, now my son is now saying, Mom, can you tell them to stop giving us ramen? I think we have 17 boxes of ramen right now. We're, we're good. We're good for several months. We've been blessed. But you know what? I can hoard those ramen, or I could hear a need of somebody else that I can't get pasta, I can't get noodles, I can't get. And I can say, you know what? The Lord has blessed me above and beyond. I need to share that. When I run low, what am I worried about? He provided ramen. He's going to provide everything else that I need. Another thing, and the last thing I want you to remember, don't do, is to ignore when you're being prompted. I could hold on to the, those things that I could hold on and say, I'm not sharing. They're mine. God gave them to me. No, God provided them to meet a need, to bless me. But maybe more so he needed that person who gave them to me to be prompted by the Lord, to have an obedient heart, to do what was right. It's not always about the person receiving it. It's about the person giving it. Maybe you're that person that needs to start sharing with others. When you give, it's exciting. So I have some homework for you. Yes, we're going to do some homework this week. You ready? I want you to get a pen. I want you to get a piece of paper. You can pause this if you need to. Go grab that pen and paper. I want you to write this down. I have four questions for you. And I'm not going to come back next week and say, did you do your homework? But I trust that you're going to do it, because I know you and I are friends, and I know you're going to do this. Number one, do you need to get things right with the Lord in terms of salvation? Have you accepted the Lord as your personal Savior? You haven't? What are you waiting for? Are you not being prompted to do this? You right now, pause this podcast, and I want you to call America's Keswick right now, and I want you to get the front desk, and I want you to ask somebody, how do I get saved? What do I need to do? Call your pastor in your church. Call a friend that you know that can share the gospel with you clearly and help you understand. I want you to do that right now. That's number one. Have you accepted the Lord? Have you thanked the Lord? Did you ever thank him for your salvation? Have you ever put true thought into what that is? It was a free gift. You didn't work for it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't have to pay for it. All you had to do was open the package and accept it. Do you need to thank him? That's number two. Number three, 
All right, this is homework, so you've got to write these things down. Okay. Do you need to thank someone in your life for what they've done for you? You know, many times you hear things, and all of a sudden a light bulb goes off in your head, and you're like, bing, ah, oh, I never thanked that person. Do you need to thank someone? Number four, do you need to do a random act of kindness, an R-A-K, just because? Is God prompting you to turn around and bless someone? Okay, ladies, here we go. What did you do? What did you do with what God has given you? What did you do? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Okay, next week, 2.30, we're going to meet here, just you and me. But wait. I understand in the state of New Jersey, I don't know if you're in another state, but at least in New Jersey, we can have 10 people in our home. Yes, six feet apart. Most couches are about six feet, so one on either end. Put your coffee pot on. Call your girlfriends. We're going to have a podcast party next week. So 2.30, invite your friends over, up to 10 inside the house. You can have them. That's legal. Make sure you wear your mask. Get the coffee on. Maybe make some cheesecake. Get some munchkins, whatever. Invite your friends over. Let's have a podcast party. I want to thank you for coming by, and I'm enjoying having this chat with you. Next week, we're going to chat some more. If you have a random act of kindness that you do on the regular, leave a comment below. Give us some ideas. We're all looking for ideas at what we can do. If you have a favorite Bible verse you want to share, leave a comment below. And also leave below, how can we be praying for you? What can we be doing for you? Thanks for coming by. Again, we'll see you next week.